You're listening to WBC Audio. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a local pastor here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Let's jump into this week's message. Good morning. My name is Harrison Kwok. I am a pastor in training here at Whitehorse Baptist Church. We've been going through a series called How I Met Jesus, and we've been looking at John's gospel account, um, gospel meaning um, he wrote down Jesus' teaching, what he did in his life, and how people responded. So we're looking at John's story this morning and how um, a blind man met Jesus. And it's in John chapter 9. And from this story, I'd like to show you how not only is Jesus this amazing miracle worker, but he's also God, and he heals us of our spiritual blindness. I'll get into that as we open the text. So we're in John chapter 9, and before we start reading, I'd like to just tell you a little bit about it. What we're about to read is the first account in history of a person who was born blind being completely healed. This is a unique story, not only in history, but in the Bible. From the beginning of the Bible up until John, no one has ever been healed from their blindness. Jesus has performed lots of miracles. Um, Not everything is written down, but what we have written down, we have 37 miracles. And he turned water into wine. He walked on water. He fed tens of thousands of people. He healed people from the dead, or raised people from the dead. And there's many others. But this blind healing is unique in that he healed more blind people um, than any other miracle. So he healed five people of their blindness, and that's more than any other miracle. So there's something unique about Jesus healing a blind man. So as we open John chapter 9, I want to show you how Jesus not only heals of this man's blindness, but he heals us of our spiritual blindness. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible under the chairs in front of you. It's on page 895. Or there's the text behind me on the screen. So it's all of chapter 9. All of chapter 9. As he passed by, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he is born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus, made mud, and anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. 
So I went and washed and received my sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents of the man who had received his sight. And he asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard to, that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you'd have no guilt. 
But now that you say you see, we see, your guilt remains. Jesus performs this totally unique miracle that's never been heard of in the history of humanity at that point. Look at the first verse of chapter 9. It said, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So this is the beginning of the miracle. God, Jesus sees this man who is blind and he's begging by the temple. It says, As he passed by, I don't know if you've seen any Jesus films or this story in a movie or anything like that, but it kind of depicts him in, uh, it's kind of like him and his mafia of disciples and they're walking around just hanging out and there's this blind guy and Jesus, the lamb-hugging, compassionate Jesus comes down and says, oh, blind man, let me heal you. That's not really the case. You got to go one verse before the first verse of chapter 9. So in chapter 8, verse 59, the verse right before that, it says, So they, religious rulers and the public, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So Jesus actually at this point is running for his life. He's a convicted felon, and they want to kill him. So as he's passing by this blind beggar, He's a dead man walking, and people want to kill him. Yet, yet he stops. Jesus is compassionate. And even though his life is in danger, he's going to take his time to talk to this blind man. No one knows how long this blind man's been there, but he's been born, he's been born blind, and he's at the temple begging, begging for help, for money, for food. Who knows? And there must be frustration in this man's life. That he's there day after day begging for someone to help him. What was that like? In 2004, there's a movie released called Ray. And it depicts the life of Ray Charles. And he is an extraordinary man who was a jazz musician, piano. But he at the age of seven, became blind. He suffered from glaucoma, so at an early age, he was completely blind. But he was a master class musician on the piano and leaves a legacy that's wonderful. So in this movie, Ray, they, he's having a conversation with his wife. He's actually having a fight with his wife. And then the wife pleads with Ray, the only thing that can help you is God, Ray. But Ray Charles turns to her very quickly and says, don't you talk to me about God. You have no idea what it feels like to be born or to be blind and still be afraid of the dark. And every day you stand and pray just for a little light and you don't get nothing because God don't listen to people like me. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like God's not near you? Are you suffering? Do we feel like that sometimes where God is, where are you? I read about all these good things that you do in the Bible and other people saying that God is such a, such a good God, yet you are so distant. Where are you? We feel this way because we suffer from a blindness that is spiritual. We can't see God's purposes and God's power that's happening all around us. 
Jesus even teaches this point to his disciples. In the second verse, the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man's parents or was it him that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it wasn't his parents or him. He's blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. There's a purpose to everything. And Jesus is teaching this to all of us and to his disciples. The disciples, they they saw this blind man, and it wasn't compassion. It was, he's a Rubik's Cube, or he's Sudoku, and we have to figure this guy out. What happened? Was it his parents that sinned, or was it him? Was it his prenatal sin that caused him to be blind? In the womb, he sinned. That's, That's how they think. And Jesus is like, oh man, you don't get it. You don't get it. He's blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what does Jesus do? I don't know if you've ever tried this, but he spat on some mud and rubbed it in this guy's eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I don't know what you would do if something like that happened to you. I'd be worried about pink eye. But he responds in faith. He could have ignored it. He could have dismissed this this wacko, he doesn't really know who this is. He doesn't really know what's happening other than somebody said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So it says, so he went and washed and he came back seeing. He was healed of his blindness. Now throughout the Bible, the healing of the blind is God's work alone. We can read in Psalm 146, verse 8, it says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord opens up the eyes of the blind. Not people, not trees, but the Lord. This is God's work alone. So in this miracle, he's saying, I'm God. In every miracle he does, he says, I am God. This is my proof. Not only do we see or fail to see the purposes of God and his power all around us, we fail to see that Jesus is God in the flesh. And we need to recognize that in this miracle, Jesus took the initiative. Jesus approached this man. The blind man didn't come to Jesus. He came to him. And just like for us, Jesus took the initiative before the foundation of the foundations of the world, before we were born, 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided he chose to ransom our sin, our evil, our corruption, our crimes against God upon himself that we would be set free, that he would give us a new spirit, that he would give us new eyes to see. He did this before we ever asked for forgiveness. Jesus is an initiating God. He came to us and he opened up our hearts and he opened up our minds to see him. How do we respond? With the blind man, Jesus expected him to respond in faith. You get some mud rubbed on your eyes, he says, go, go to the pool. So he did. He went to the pool and he washed and he came back seeing How do we respond to Jesus' invitation? 
to accept him as the God of the universe and the God of our life. Jesus can do amazing things through very ordinary people, just like you and me. I want to introduce to you a man named Nick Vujicic. He's from Australia. He's a 35-year-old man. He's an author, musician, actor. He's the president of an international nonprofit organization. Uh, he likes fishing and painting and swimming. He's married. He has four kids. At the age of 19, he started traveling the world, uh, sharing his story, sharing his faith in Jesus, and he's inviting men and women all around the world to embrace the liberating message of Jesus Christ. But what makes Nick so remarkable is that he was born without arms or legs. And somehow three ultrasounds missed that fact. There's seven people in the world who have the condition that Nick Vujicic has. Throughout his childhood, he struggled with purpose, severe depression. He didn't know if he had a purpose. How am I supposed to live? I can't even brush my own teeth. I can't even pick up a book to read. I can't walk to see my friend. I can't give my mom a hug. Why do I exist? Yet, he gives thanks to God for helping him through his whole life and giving him passion and strength even today. And he encourages us all by saying, if God can use a man without arms and legs to be Jesus' hands and feet, then he will certainly use any willing heart. Nick humbly responded to the gospel and with faith and with a willing heart. That's all we need to be is willing. We don't need to be super smart. We don't need to be super gifted. God, just use me for whatever purposes that you want. The blind man responded. Nick Vujicic responded in faith. But people continued to doubt the miracle. The miracle was doubted in this story. The religious leaders chose to doubt the healing. This miracle should have been enough for the people who saw it or who heard of it to realize that Jesus is in fact God. But the religious rulers doubted. So in verse 16 it says, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. For God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He doesn't keep the day that you're not supposed to work. What does this outcast try to do? He heals a man born blind. Only sinners work on the Sabbath. This is their thinking. Others said, how can this man do such signs if he's a sinner? In verse 18, the Jews did not believe that the guy was even born blind and received his sight until they called his parents. And then they came in to get interrogated. And then they called the guy back in who was born blind in verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. So that's a phrase in Hebrew, give glory to God. It means tell the truth. Tell me the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. How is it that you've been healed? The truth is so obvious that Jesus is God. Jesus just healed a blind man. Only God heals blind men. They know this but they chose to ignore it.
So this is the case for all of us. We, we read miracles like this. We hear of miracles. Maybe your friends, your family on TV, you read a book, you hear miracles. Do you doubt it or do you accept it? Does it harden your heart or does it soften it to the gospel? This man's life changed. He had a new life, yet some chose to ignore it and remain blind. So you have two options, new life or remain blind. This blind man, he was kicked out of the synagogue for his claiming that Jesus is in fact Lord. He was kicked out of the synagogue. This is a serious situation. You know, in our day and age, if we get kicked out of the church, this church, I think we'll be okay. But back then in some cultures, the synagogue was everything. It encompassed everything in your life. Everything was tied to the synagogue. An example would be in Quebec. I don't know if anyone's from Quebec, but there was a, there was a certain point in its history where the, the Francophone people wanted to um, increase their population. This, this point in history is called the revenge of the cradle. So what they wanted to do was make sure that everyone was having babies that could have babies so that the Francophone people would grow. And the Catholic Church also uh, embraced this idea. And with the revenge of the cradle, uh, some churches, some people were telling women, you need to have a child every year that you're alive. I don't care if you're 25 or 85. You must have children. And people are like, that's, that's crazy. And if you didn't, you get kicked out of the church. And it just happens that the blacksmith goes to the church. And you come in there wanting your shoe fixed. Oh, maybe I'm just going to not serve you today. Oh, I want some bread. I want some cheese. I want some produce. Uh, the shop owner also goes to the church, knows of your uh, rebellion against God. And they choose not to serve you. So when this, this blind man gets kicked out of the synagogue, he gets kicked out of his community, and he's all alone. What does Jesus do? How does he respond? Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Son of Man is another name for God. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man answered, And who is he, sir, that... I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This blind man was rejected by his community, but Jesus made it a point to comfort him and to seek him out and to find him. Maybe you know what it's like to be rejected by your family, or maybe by your family, by your friends, by your schoolmates. It hurts to be rejected, but it should be enough to be accepted by Jesus alone. So even if the world hates you, even if your family disowns you, even if you get fired from your job, you're accepted by Jesus, and that is enough. Jesus continues in verse 39. He said, For judgment that came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. 
But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. What's he talking about here? The story is more than the miracle of the healing of the blind man. Through the healing of the blind man, Jesus reveals the blindness of those who think that their sight and their judgment is perfect. He's using the miracle to show something that's deeper and more eternal. I mean, great. He's going to have this blind man has a sight back. And maybe he can go on for another, whatever, 50, 60 years. But there's an eternal factor at play in all of us that's blind and has eternal consequences. And that's what Jesus is pushing to show the people here and us today. In verse 40, when the Pharisees ask, are we also blind? They're so confident in their own spiritual sight, which Jesus calls blindness, because they could not see the Son of God right in front of them. And then he continues, Jesus, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. In other words, if the Pharisees, if people would just admit to their spiritual blindness, they could be forgiven and set free. But because they say, we see, their sin remains. It's a pride issue. It's a heart issue. You're closed to things that are so obvious of God, but you choose to close your heart and doubt and be skeptical because you think you are God at this point. You understand more than the Savior and the God of the universe. The point of the whole story is more than the healing of the blind man. He uses the blind man to reveal our blindness. Now, if anyone here doubts that Jesus is the one true God, we are blind. That's what Jesus is saying. Yet, despite our blindness, this story in John 9 shows how Jesus heals us of our blindness. So there's four things that he does. The first thing is that He initiates the healing of our blindness. He shows up. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he did that already, despite who we are, or what we've done, or what we're going to do. He initiated that. And the second thing is, how do you accept this? What do you do with this good news? Accept it and be changed forever, like this blind man. The third thing is once, that, once you do, there's boldness in telling others of what Jesus has done in your life. This man, he didn't have everything figured out. Maybe he was uneducated. Maybe nobody respected him, but people are asking questions. And, he, and, you know, at first it was, I don't know. I don't know what happened. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. But this... This blind man, his, his faith grew. In verse 11, he calls him Jesus. In verse 17, he calls him a prophet. So this man is from God. He speaks for God. He has a relationship with God. Verse 33, similar. This man is from God. Verse 38, He is God, and he's worthy of worship. So there's a transformation and evolution of this man from a simple, humble acceptance with the mud 
rubbed on his eyes to now he worships the creator and God of the universe. We need to look at this and ask ourselves, is our faith growing? Is it growing in quality? Is it growing in love? Is it growing in joy? Or is it stagnant, flatlining, or declining? Could you look back maybe a couple months, a couple years ago, and look at now and say, by the grace of God, my faith has increased in joy, love, and service. Service in the church, service to my family, service to my friends and community. We need to ask ourselves, dear Christian, is our faith worth exporting? Can we say, like the Apostle Paul, imitate me like I imitate Jesus? There's a pastor in the States, and he often goes to the Andes Mountains to serve in some of the most hostile and unreached people groups in the world. And it's hard work, and he comes back broken and ragged and, and often defeated, but people need to go. People need to go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel, for that's the great commission for all of us, not just to have every corner of Whitehorse in this church to know Jesus, but to go everywhere. So this pastor, he recognizes there's a great need and that God asked him to fill the great commission and go, go to the Andes Mountains. And he'll often come back to the States. He'll pastor his church and his team. And, and young men, young men are just very excited about this work and hearing of these stories of villages and people coming to know Jesus Christ. And these young men come to him and say, I want to come with you. I want to leave everything behind, my job, my work, my friends, my family. I will serve and give my life for this cause. You know, if someone came up to me and said that, I'd almost be like, great. But this pastor didn't do that. He said, okay. He asked them, is your faith worth exporting? Would you want someone else to have your intimacy, your joy, your disciplines with the Bible, with the Lord? Would you want to give that to someone else? I'm not saying we need to be perfect, but is there a humble submission to a Christian walk that you would say, you know, it's not perfect, but yes, I would gladly give it to my child, a friend, a coworker, a stranger, that you don't want to go to the ends of the earth with the zeal, but no knowledge. Is your faith worth exporting? Is it growing? Are there areas maybe there's holes? I know in my life, I want to surround myself with people who can not just poke holes in my life, but just to say, hey, this is a strength. This is something you can really work on because the gospel is important and we don't want to mess this up. But though sometimes we do screw up and we will screw up, God is faithful. God is faithful of using the ordinary, the broken, the uneducated. He will use us, but do we have a willing heart? Is your faith worth exporting? And maybe you're not a Christian. And you hear the story of a blind man, blind man being healed, and you just, that's crazy. This book is so old, how can you trust it? How can you still talk about Jesus 2,000 years from now? And your heart is hardening. Or maybe it's softening. And faith is rising up in you. And you want to respond in faith. And you want to say, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about your Bible. You can come talk to me. You can talk to the elders of the church. 
We'd love to talk with you, get you connected. The story shows how Jesus heals us of our spiritual blindness. And all of us here this morning, whether you're a believer or not, consider his goodness, consider his mercy, that it would transform you, it would transform our city, it would transform our community, it would transform our nation and the world, that this great news wouldn't stop with us, but that it would reach my daughter's age as she continues to grow and that this would permeate into all the world. Amen. Thanks for listening to Whitehorse Baptist Church Audio. If this message has made an impact in your life today, we'd love to hear from you. You can also download past messages, share them with a friend, or find out how you can partner with us to keep this ministry going. For all that and more, visit whbc.ca. That's whbc.ca.